You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. Hi, I'm Richard. I'm Dave. Welcome to episode four. We're going to talk today about a few different things, including a new character that's coming up and being added to the cast, uh, the rearranged hero selection screen, and the new endorsement systems as well. So we're back again in our coffee and donut place. Now, if you get distracted by the sounds of rattling ice or blenders, that's because we are deep in the middle of a British heat wave, which is rare enough that everyone goes crazy during it. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a few things to cover this time. Uh, I think the, the most important one to start with needs to be the new character because there's a lot going on in Overwatch mm. but this is something where I, I, I didn't expect it mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if anyone else did um, it, it, the kind of thing that came out of nowhere and then when you see it you go hang on a second <laughs> so we're talking about Wrecking Ball mm-hmm. or Hammond to his friends I guess but you know talk me through Wrecking Ball Rich tell me what you know yeah, yeah. so I mean when I, when I first came to the game the, the, the new hero like about a month before I, I got Overwatch was Doomfist that was the, that was the newest hero at the time and that concept of having a game that evolves and adds very different playstyles with new characters every single time, that was something that really drew me to Overwatch. That was part of it. Um, and then from there, you know, we, we, we saw Moira, and then we saw Brigitte, and now we're seeing uh, Wrecking Ball come in. This is one of the things that keeps those games fresh. And I feel like it's been, it feels shorter than from Doomfist to Moira, um, and certainly maybe from Moira to Brigitte that we're seeing Wrecking Ball. But... It almost seems as well as though Blizzard knows that as soon as people start asking, what's next, when's the next hero, they serve up a little teaser trailer to say, yep, here's the next thing, here's what's going to keep you occupied for the next few months as well. The timing really is short but wonderful. Yeah. It's nice that they clearly have a plan. Mm. Like they do have a, they have a, there's a plan already in place, we just know little bits when they want to tell yeah. us. Because you think, I've, in the time I've been playing, the only new hero for me so far has been Brigitte. Mm. So I came in after Doomfist, after Moira, mm. and it doesn't seem very long that Brigitte's actually been in the hero pool. Yeah. And now suddenly we've got someone brand new. And uh, we've discussed it before, but Wrecking Ball is now in the PTR. Mm-hmm. Brigitte wasn't in the PTR very long before no. becoming a playable character. Only a few so, weeks, I think. Yeah, so I'm thinking this is you know, very soon now. We're going to have a brand new hero. Yep. It's going to change the meta. It's going to change all manner of stuff. Because although he's a tank-class hero, yep. or I, I would hope so, considering he runs around in a giant metal ball <laughs> with legs and turrets, it's... It's it's going to be a very different thing, you know. You, you've, we've seen things like the grappling hook, and we've yeah. seen things like his ultimate with the mine launching. It's it's a different kind of hero, you yeah. know. It's not a diva. It's not a. It's someone in a mech, but it's a different kind of mech. It's a different yeah. kind of play style. Yeah, which is great, you know. If if you looked at Diva or you even looked at another big tank like a Reinhardt, and that didn't quite appeal to you, that style of play, he seems to have. Maybe not boosting into the air like Diva does, but he seems to have quite a lot of mobility. The fact that he can roll, the fact that he can use grappling hook to get around to different places. But then as soon as he pops out of that, he's blasting you with turrets, doing quite, you know, not a small amount of damage and doing quite a high amount of damage potentially. Not as much as some of those kind of DPS characters, but doing a good amount of damage output. Um, 
and having a shield to keep himself up. And I've got to say, his ultimate looks to be like one of my favorite ultimates going forward. That proximity minefield, there's so much that you can do with that that really changes how you play compared to any other character that I've seen so far. And that raises a really important question, I think, for when they bring out new heroes. I think we've discussed mm. this before, but not specifically with this character in mind. Mm. But it's balance. Yeah. It's how do you get a character, how do you bring a character out who's in a tank class, so you know, first of all, it's going to have high HP because yep. it's a tank, and then who has what appears to be great mobility, who appears to give quite a, a significant amount of damage. I watched uh, when it was first put on the, on the PTR. There's a video for a Boombox from the mm. Fusion. It showed him playing because he's a support player traditionally. Yeah, yeah. So they had him playing it, which was interesting because I've, I've seen him play a couple heroes, but he, in my head, Boombox is, is a Zenyatta. Sure. Like he's, he's, he's one of the best Zenyattas for just nailing headshots. <laughs> so putting him in a tank, I was thinking, okay, fair enough. But watching him play it, bearing in mind that practice map you get, it is, it's only very small health robots that you're blowing up. Of course. But it wasn't taking a lot for him to destroy things left and right. Yeah. And I was thinking, so if he's got quite a high... HP, he's got quite an unusual but powerful ultimate ability, and he's got quite a high rate of damage and great mobility. Mm-hmm. Where's the limit going to be? What are they going to put in place to limit this hero so he doesn't come in and just take over beyond <laughs> everything else? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, we see that a lot with any new hero and even just uh, existing heroes over time. Those balance changes happen constantly. A lot of heroes, when they come in, are slightly overpowered. Um, Jeff himself even made a couple of jokes about them on stage. Jeff Kaplan, uh, the, the, the kind of the head of Overwatch, um, made that reference to Moira being spelled OP. It is that thing when ever a new hero launches that we wor- that we worry a little bit about balance, and the guys look to redress that uh, in future updates. For now, with it being a very different playstyle, I think one element of balance is people getting used to playing it. That's always the best way to balance it, is how people not quite know what to do with them. But also, I think those uh, changes that we've seen to even the character selection screen, I think that's going to help quite a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely we'll come on to the rearranged character selection screen in just a second, but I want to touch on that point you just mm. made about learning how to play the character. Because I think that's a, that's a huge one. I think that I've, I've, uh, I've mentioned before about how I've tried to play Farah, mm-hmm. for instance. And one of my favorite kind of play modes at the moment has been Mystery Heroes. Yeah. Because I quite like that you just get a random hero, and you've just got to deal with that. Yeah. You know, and it, you can really see... It, how teams are uh, made or broken through who wins those first fights. Definitely. Because if you're playing at Mystery Heroes, uh, you go out with 98% ult charge and get put down, you don't get that back. Yeah. So you have to be good straight away, really, or you're going to. And it, it helps you realize where you are and where you're not. Yeah. And I, I, I mentioned that because playing that Mystery Heroes, I've got Farah quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I do, I can't manage those kind of long term hovers, <laughs> those kind of those great like pinpoint trick shots. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to manage that on my first attempt, sure. but I can barely stay off the ground for any yeah. period of time. So, so that's a hero that I don't know how to play, and yeah. I don't know how to do it right, basically. So the theory is, you bring out this new hero, and you're right, what if he is quite powerful, but people just don't know how to play him? Definitely. And then I guess that's something they've got to address before they address the power issue, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just to one of the points that you mentioned there, it's just how crucial that first flight fight is. One of the things that we uh, saw recently, one of the stats that I saw shared um, by a, an analyst for, for Overwatch League was that getting the first kill in a team fight means that you tend, in 75% of cases in the Overwatch League, you win that fight. And obviously, if you win that first fight out of the game, out, out of the gate, you're way more likely to win that game, to win that round, because you've won that first fight. It gives you that pretty big advantage heading into the rest of it. And 75% of the time, if you kill that first hero, you're winning that team fight. You're going straight through. So that's going to be really, really, really powerful. People learning how to play that hero is going to be 
interesting to watch. I think we're going to see a lot of these cool things. And honestly, that's, again, part of what balances it, but also part of what keeps me interested in the game. It's seeing what people do creatively with it. You know, I could fire at the PTR later and try my hand at him, but I'm not necessarily going to be somebody that comes up with those really inventive solutions for what to do, these kind of combos that we learn. I think back to one of Diva's combos, and it's actually, it seems quite obvious. You boost forward while firing everything. That seems like a pretty obvious combo oh, yeah. to go with. Yeah, definitely. But you see some very, very inventive combos that people make. Things like uh, the pharmacy combo, you know, you mentioned Farah. Pairing a Farah with a Mercy, and then having a follower using Angelic Descent, having a hover behind her while locked on for healing. That's quite an inventive solution to a problem of how do we keep this fire alive. That's true, yeah. Um, I can't wait to see what people do with the grappling hook and what people do with the interesting bits of Wrecking Ball. Yeah, definitely. So we're talking about that hero selection screen because that's mm. quite a... quite. A, it's a small change that I think is probably going to have a, a bigger impact. Yeah. So they've taken what were four classes of hero. Mm -hmm. They've now condensed that into three classes of hero. So we've still got tank, we've still got support, but now we've got the damage class. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty fair, don't you? When you think about the heroes that were scattered between attack and defense, yeah. you've got your tracers, you've got your junk rats, you've got your Widowmaker, you've got Hanzo. You've got these heroes that do immense amounts of damage. Yep. And if you think about it, how often do people stick to those attack and defense yep. classes? You know, For a, a decent team composition, you're probably going to have a Widowmaker, or you're going to have a Hanzo, yeah. or, or you're going to have a Junkrat. So even when you're on the attack, they think this makes a lot more sense. Definitely. I mean, I was used to seeing them in those four different categories, and those four different categories are often what you think of in things like MMOs, kind of attack and defend, or DPS and tank and those kind of roles. But saying that, I like a few of the things that this causes to happen. You now start on the tanks. You don't start on the DPS. It stops maybe people as quickly insta-locking a Reaper or a Genshi or somebody else if actually they have to scroll past the tanks first to get into that. It highlights the tanks and the supports because they're the two on the sides. I mean, having 15 damage heroes in the middle, it looks one a bit silly because it's such a big group, yeah. but it does draw attention to the two smaller groups of six on either side. Um, and again, maybe by mixing those more popular insta-locked heroes, maybe it will make them those ones that always get picked at the beginning of the round. Maybe it will make people pick other characters or consider it before kind of immediately clicking on something. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it will help to see some more play for characters that people may have just overlooked for a period yeah. of time. You know, you figure there was a, you know, it was a time when I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who all the heroes in the defense class were. Sure. Because I just, I don't play half of them. Or, or rather, I don't play most of them, but I had yeah. never played half of them. Yeah. Now I understand that and I know who they are, but I still don't really play them. You know, yeah. like I will very, very rarely would I play uh, Bastion or, or Torbjorn or, you know, other heroes in the attack class like Doomfest, we yeah. mentioned before. These are not heroes I would normally go for. Now that they've been rearranged, would I think about it maybe a bit more? I don't know. I don't know about me, but perhaps others would, certainly. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that will help with that is one, rearranging, yes, but then also reworking. One of the great things that Overwatch has shown itself to do is to rework characters. I think for me, whenever I look at characters I've historically gone, no, I don't really play those, I don't really like those, I tend to then hear about them getting reworked. Hanzo getting a rework. I never really used to pick Hanzo. Now I will actually consider playing that, and I know you would as well. You were sharing that before. Um, Symmetra, a great one. I've just never played Symmetra. It just wasn't my playstyle at all. I'm now actually picking up the odd game of Symmetra just to try her out because of the rework. Um, so I think that's one of the great things. Rearranging will help maybe just by shuffling it. People won't ignore them. They'll be forced to reconsider those characters, and then maybe a couple of reworks in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I recently, I recently tried Hanzo again. I, I, I've shared a lot of hate 
for Hanzo mains. And I'm sorry out there if you're listening to this and you are a Hanzo main. But I have seen on so many occasions that before the uh, hero selection screen has even finished loading, mm. someone is already locked on Hanzo. Yep. Like, no matter what, I had a game once where we had a Widow and an Anna. And someone came into the game and immediately picked Hanzo. And I thought, come on, dude. We've got, that means we've got three snipers now. Yeah. We don't need three snipers. So I, I apologies. There's been a lot of hate. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but recently, I went into a game, and uh, I've, I've got into the habit of not choosing my hero straight away. Letting the rest of the team, because I don't always play with comms. Yep. So I will let the rest of the team pick their heroes, mm -hmm. and then I will go in and see what they need. Yep. So on a number of games recently... I've played Mercy. Uh, you know, I played Mercy a lot at the very beginning, not so much recently. Yeah. But I'll go into a game and there's no healers whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I could play Brigitte. Uh, you know, I could play Zen. But with Mercy, I know I can do the maximum healing and I can do the, the, the resurrection, which is a huge bonus to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Especially when the opponent team doesn't have a Mercy, which I've seen on a few occasions. The, the yeah. real balance that shows. So by choosing you know, a hero later on, it then lets me see where the gaps are, right? Yeah. And I went into this game and there was no Hanzo. And I thought, okay, well... Maybe I'll give it a shot and just see what it's like now that the rework has come through and you've Definitely. got the new abilities. Yeah. And I actually had a really good game. I actually really I enjoyed myself, but I hated myself a little bit at the same time <laughs> because of how negative I've been about Hanzo. Sure. Um, but it was fun to play, and I think that highlights just how much fun it is to play here you're not used to just to see what, see what it's like you yeah. know, and see what everyone's so passionate about because everyone out there has a favorite hero. Mm -hmm. And if that hero is one that you never play, you'll never understand why that person loves that hero. And the difference is just, yeah, it, it can really change up how you see the game. Definitely. And that's, you know, that's what you were saying before about Mystery Heroes. The reason that's such a fun mode is to try something that you've overlooked or something that you haven't tried and that has been reworked or it's just not fit for the, the mood that you were in back when you first tried it. And actually you try it again and you go, oh, wow. Uh, and that's why that is such a fun game mode. But definitely. And while we're talking about fun game modes, I really mm. need to mention that Overwatch is uh, is just a crazy game, right? <laughs> the developers for are just nuts, right? Because I recently went on there and I occasionally drop into the arcade just to see what kind of options there are, yeah, right? A lot of fun. And I came across a Yeti Hunt. Oh yes, did you from, play from, Yeti Hunt from Christmas? Yeah, from yeah. The, from so the... Yeti Hunt was back in during the anniversary yep. uh, event, and if you haven't played Yeti Hunt, you have one character who's playing a Winston, and you have five people playing May. Yep. And it is the craziest thing because <laughs> your goal as the Winston is to kill all the opposing maze. Yep. And the goal as the maze is to kill the Winston. But the twist is, as the Winston, you collect meat that's yep. scattered around giant the, steaks, the map. Like in a cartoon. And that's how you charge your ultimate. And it's your usual primal rage that Winston has, yep. but boosted even more so, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So you've got this just nuts game mode of five on one, but the one is a Winston who doesn't have to kill anybody or do any damage in order to get ultimate charge. <laughs> and it's just the craziest thing. So Blizzard developers uh, working on Overwatch, props to you. That is the craziest game mode I have. And I've played Lucio Ball, so I know the crazy game modes, right? But that is the craziest one that I have played yep. so far. They've, they've just unveiled a maniacal... Um, mastermind engineer hamster. I can't even wait to see what kind of crazy game modes Wrecking Ball is going to get involved. There's going to be some amazing stuff coming from that. So, so many good things. And isn't it weird to think that he would actually be a boring addition to Lucio Ball? Like, <laughs> he could be the ball, though. He could be the ball. <laughs> he could pretend. He's also a tank. Uh, but yeah, speaking about game modes, I think it's important because uh, Overwatch is a game that, as we've, as we've seen, it moves quick. Like, Very it sees so. things that need to change or things that they would like to change. Yep. They just do it, and they just yeah. fix it later, right? Which I think is, a, is quite a cool attitude for game developers who are usually very staid, quite yep. stale. You might see a, you know, a, a year before you see an actual update to a game exactly. that would change anything at all. 
let alone balance heroes maps. Yeah. And so we've seen the introduction of the uh, endorsements and mm -hmm. looking for group system. Absolutely. And this is something that I think you've already had a, a very small bit of it with the uh, when you vote for a hero at the end of the match. Sure. Which, as far as I've ever seen, doesn't really do anything apart from make you feel good if yeah. you get chosen, right? Yeah. But this is a system where you can actually go in, and after a game, you can t choose up to three players from yeah. your team or the opponent's team and give them accolades yeah. and endorsements for their play style to encourage things like good shot calling or, or great uh, sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an, that's an incredible addition. It's something that makes the game more uh, fulfilling because someone can reward you for having good communication. Yeah. Or if I, I had a game of the day where I went on to someone on the opposing team and I gave them a team player award because they were playing their mercy on their team. Yeah. And they put a lot of work in, I'll tell you. <laughs> and so I gave them the team player award because I thought they took on a support role and all they did all map was chase around these tanks and yeah. heal them up. And that was, you know, they did a great job. And this is something that makes the game, it adds to that social aspect. Definitely. And as well as that kind of, something that makes you feel nice, mm. you know? And like how often does playing a video game do you leave with that kind of warm fuzzy feeling because someone appreciates your play well exactly and i think this is where a huge part of it comes from you know it does work both ways in that way um all video games all online video games i mean certainly when i was growing up the kind of the stigma or the expectation was that you were going to hear some pretty horrible stuff you were going to get called some names while playing um, by all kinds of players and that's continued to be a problem even more and more and more people uh, online often do think they're anonymous and they think they've got a, a great platform to to heckle or to or to spread hate during a game or just to get you know aggressive at somebody and it's really not a place for that so i think overwatch with all of these updates they're really responding to their fans they're really responding to the players they're responding to people going actually i don't want to hear that when i'm trying to relax in the evening and enjoy a game or people are even higher levels going really this isn't the culture that we want for our teams and our groups of people and the expectation online as blizzard tries to move overwatch league into more of the mainstream you know you've got goldman sachs recently coming out saying that it's going to be i think 200 million viewers they were saying by 2020 something wow. of that kind of an elk about in league with the nfl in terms of size That'd they reckon it's going to be huge so you definitely don't want the image that actually you're going to be sworn at and, and have hear some pretty nasty things while watching a game. So this helps to curb a lot of that. And I think obviously that's an intention that as a company they want. They want to, they want to build. They want to get rid of that more negative stuff, that salty stuff as we often refer to it. Mm. But equally it's them listening to fans that have said, we're kind of sick of this stuff. We need you to get rid of this. Yeah. We need to improve competitive. But also, you know, it, it goes both ways. We talk about rewarding people for good behavior this is a great way for people to see where their deficiencies are as well. It's all in good thinking that you're you know, giving amazing communications when actually you inadvertently criticize somebody or you made the wrong call or you thought you were being great on comms and actually you were just talking continuously. Yep. That's, you know, those aren't the same thing as good comms. I have some, encountered some of them, sadly. <laughs> some of the best comms, uh, you know, you see this in the league when they give you those little snippets. They're very, very quick, very rapid but very, very clear and direct. They tell you exactly what needs to be done. And actually, if you're walking around thinking you've got amazing comms because you spoke for 15 minutes solid during the whole of the game, if you don't get a good score for comms, if you don't get many comms endorsements, maybe you need to start looking at, at what's going on there. So it kind of works both ways. It's recognition, but it's also saying, hey, maybe start working on this a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly what the thing needs. Because I, I think that I have, uh, I have friends who told me at the sort of beginning when I started playing Overwatch that they had stopped playing the game with a headset yeah, because they were they would receive abuse, or they would receive, um, uh, in this case, sexist abuse and that kind Absolutely. of stuff. And I'm I'm sure I speak for a lot of gamers when I say 
that that has gotten no place in gaming. Absolutely. No one comes and plays a video game so that they can receive abuse. Yeah. And if you're the kind of person who does that or thinks that it's okay to do that, you need to get the hell off of off of the games. You don't deserve them. Yeah, these basically. aren't for you. This isn't no. a place for you. No. It's not a place for that. No Gaming one should is where people come that. to have fun and have a great time. And if you're going to be that kind of guy who ruins it for somebody, yeah. then you don't deserve to play it. And I think Completely. that any kind of celebration of the positive side is a, is a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's a rare kind of beam of light in, in what can be quite a dark place sometimes. Yeah. Cool. So alongside the accolade system is also the looking for group feature which is mm, new in there yeah. and I, I have to admit I've, I've sadly not used that yet mm-hmm. uh, but I know that you have yeah only fairly recently uh, it was updated a little while ago not too long but maybe a few weeks um, and since then I've had an occasion to play a few games I've been busy with work but I've had a little bit of time to play and you can still go in and still go to quick play and through the arcade and so on but when you do there's a big button right at the bottom beneath those main titles that says find a group and you click on there and it's a great way you can set up your own group or you can join existing ones and you can also use the filter so these groups allow you to do things like, say, if you're playing quick play or competitive, what kind of roles you want in your team, essentially. And this is something that's been being asked for a while. It's people wanting to be able to specify a comp. Not necessarily specify a composition of certain heroes, but of certain roles. Do you want two tanks? Do you definitely want to have two supports? What, what kind of system do you want to have? What kind of way do you want to play? And this lets you find like-minded players. I think that's one of the ways they describe it on the screen is find like-minded players. And it's such a good way of referring to it. So when I went in, I was playing casually in the evening, wanted to play some quick play, didn't have a headset, didn't want to set up a headset anyway, and was able to go in, choose uh, without mic, so no mic preference, um, a game that already had a few heroes, already had a few players playing, basically. You know, it already had a partially filled team, so I wanted it to be quite quick. I was light on time, and I really wanted to play a tank. I wanted to play D.Va or a Roadhog or something like that. So I was able to put in that criteria. It came back with three games that were available to play, and within five minutes I had a game playing the role I wanted on a balanced team that had, I think, two, ta- two tanks, two damage, and two supports. It was perfect. Absolutely ideal. That's kind of the dream, isn't it, for a team-based game, is that you want every game to be balanced, Mm -hmm. and you want it to be organized, and you want it to be effective. And the number of times I've been in games where, you know, there'll be five damage heroes, or we'll have uh, four tanks, or or things like that, which seem like a great idea, but they're not really effective. And if it's not effective, playing the game is great. Winning the game is great, too. Yeah. If you go into a game knowing that you can't win because your team composition is just crazy, yeah. then then what's the point, it's right? It's incredibly frustrating when that happens. Yeah. Incredibly. It needs to be, and I don't mean this in the sense of competitive in the gameplay style, sure. but it needs to be a competitive game. It needs to be, you go into that game and you think, I've got a ch- we've got a chance here. Yes. Like, we we yeah. could win this as much as they could win this. But if you go in and you've got three snipers yeah. and you know, you three DPS Hanzo. heroes. You got, you got a Hanzo sniper. in there. Yeah. You know, you got three DP, three DPS heroes and three snipers. Yep. Like what are you really going to achieve with that? Like Completely. I mean you might win. You might win. You might get a couple of cool headshots, but, but that's about well, it. Let's be honest. If you're going to win that, the other team is doing something very very <laughs> wrong, right? <laughs> but no, I think that being able to put a group together, especially when you know what you want to play. Yeah. You know the style that you want to do it, you know that the way you want it to uh, to, to to be. And like you said, if you're if you want to get into a game quickly, yep. you want it to be a game that's already got players ready to go. Precisely. And that's a great idea. You know, I think as well, it's it's making sure that there was a little bit of this that went on when people try and work things out amongst themselves. They'd kind of say in chat, or maybe they'd instant instapick mercy, for example, as a way to kind of say, I'm happy to play a healer. But the fact that if I choose tank, it will only let me pick tanks. That keeps people honest in that way, or it keeps people happy in advance. They're not worried that, oh, I should probably switch to this character, or players might get annoyed, going back to that abuse that we saw before, people might get annoyed that somebody's not doing it. You'd maybe often have when people have picked 
three DPS and two tanks, people are going, well, you should play Mercy now. And actually, you didn't want to play Mercy. Great character, you just didn't want to play it. You were wanting to try out your skills as a tank or as a, a damage hero. Yeah. This lets people say that up front, and everybody's happy with it. Everybody's on the same page. And if you're not, there are other groups, or you can make your own group. Yeah, that's great. And that kind of flexibility allows yeah. the game to be more playable. Definitely. Yeah. Great. And what we wanted to cover as well in this episode, where we're rapidly approaching the first Overwatch League playoff. Yeah, about a week or so, I think. Yeah. The first actual uh, postseason, I guess, because yep. the inaugural season. Absolutely. Um, and we've got six teams in there vying for the crown, I guess yep. it is. I presume there's a crown involved. There's usually a crown somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, there should be. Um, if not, I'm sure they can find I mean, one. They make World of Warcraft. So there's got to be crown somewhere that they can put They're on. They're in LA. They're on a movie set. Or actually, they'll be in New York for part of it, but I'm sure they can fly one in. Yeah. <laughs> fly in a crown. So, yeah, so we've got the six teams that are up for, uh, well, in the playoffs. We've got the uh, New York Excel and the LA Valiant that are mm. automatically through yep. to the next stage. And then we've got the four teams that are going to compete to find them in the semifinal. And those, feet, those are uh, uh, London Spitfire, perhaps. Not as surprising that London are up there, I guess. Uh, Boston Uprising, a little bit more surprising after yeah. there's a wobble in the middle. Uh, the LA Gladiators, yeah. a bit of a, an outside shot, I would have thought, earlier in the season. Yeah. And then, my favorite, the Philadelphia Fusion, <laughs> Pete Domjanate. So, here we are. We've got six teams that are, yeah. in theory, the best of the teams. Yeah. Um, some have had much better seasons than others. Some have had a, an incredible kind of rally towards the end, which has got them where they are, like the mm. Gladiators. You've got some that have been a bit kind of that middle ground was a bit unsure, mm. like mm. like the Fusion. Um, then you've got teams like uh, New York Excel, which have just been pretty phenomenal all the way through. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the number of stage championships they already hold before going into the league championship means that they, they're probably already, I would imagine, quite strong favorites. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, it, it, one of the great things about Overwatch League is that it has kind of kept us guessing a little bit there. Um, if you'd have asked me at the beginning in kind of the preseason which teams I would have thought would be at the end, um, I probably would have said Seoul Dynasty in London as two of the biggest teams. Definitely, yeah. Um, those kind of pre-existing Korean teams that moved over to Overwatch League. Uh, NYXL should be there, and absolutely they are. Their, their kind of efforts have been rewarded. I think it's great to see the other LA team. I think it's great to see Gladiators getting to relive some of that battle for LA. And honestly, I think that's, that and the fan reaction has been something that spurred them forward. I think that's really helped their efforts to get them into these into these finals. They've put in a lot of hard work, but having that additional support and that real story and mythos behind you, that's that's kind of got to help when you get to yeah. this stage. Yeah, I think we spoke about that at length in our last episode about how that arena atmosphere must help them Definitely. get along. So although my, my ideal final would feature the Fusion, because yep. I'm a big fan, <laughs> I think that the idea of an LA versus LA final, although not hosted in LA this time, yeah. but spurred on by that and all the fans that they have, would be a huge, huge final to be a, you know, to watch and be a part of. And something that, you know, it, it's not my number one choice, but I imagine it would be quite an incredible game of Overwatch. Definitely. You know, it's, it's something you've got to think about as well, is that actually New York's going to have the home field advantage now with this being held in New York, with New York being quite an active scene for it from the sounds of things. I mean, you're in New York a few months back, mm -hmm. but having, you know, bars and, and esports venues... Uh, hosting watching parties for them and so on. I wonder what kind of reaction we will see from the from the home crowd from yeah. New York. I imagine it'll be quite a strong one. The Five Deadly Venoms, who are the New York Excel fan fan club, I guess, fan sure. group. I went to, you're right, it was around about the end of stage two. I was in New York City and I went to one of their, their um, place called Waypoint Cafe, yeah. which is a fantastic gaming cafe. And they, they put the games on there live every week. And they, they manage it, they get a big group in, everyone's wearing NYXL shirts. <laughs> Amazing. You know, huge fans, great atmosphere. 
and I watched a game there, and it was astounding. It was yeah. incredible, the kind of atmosphere, what you get from watching it with other fans. Sure. Which, you know, if, you're, if you go into a sports bar, or you go into your average pub during World Cup season, or anything else like that, you're going to see that kind of atmosphere and that kind of that yeah, sense of um, camaraderie right yeah definitely that's uh, so togetherness for everyone being in on the same thing yeah i'd never seen that before with an esport so to go in there and watch a game uh it was it was absolutely astounding so i imagine uh, having been to having been to the arena where it's going to be hosted that filled with overwatch fans especially yeah. new york fans <laughs> if new york is in that final is going to be absolutely unbelievable yeah that's one of the great stories for for, for overwatch league and really for this first season that fan reaction that's going to be something that we're going to look back on i think so looking at the upcoming playoff games uh we got philly versus boston yeah a rematch i'm very much looking forward to yeah we're going to see uh, them play three times against each other yeah um we've got la and london yeah la gladiators that is and london and then New York Excel and Valiant are already through yeah. because they did so well for the season. So out of so Philly, Boston, London Gladiators, who, which one are you looking forward to most? Philly, Boston is the games I'm looking forward to seeing the most. Who I want to win that is a much much harder debate. I think I lean with you, and I think I side with you more in wanting Philly because I think I've watched more of Philadelphia. But I really do have a soft spot for Boston. They were one of those teams early on that I said, I really like the name. I really like kind of the, yeah. even the colors and so on as well. Just the, the I was kind of drawn to them as well. You know, I, I kind of pick, I picked Shock as the team that I wanted to kind of follow with Philly as the second. But Boston was, Boston was in that mix. And mm. I've watched quite a few of their games. And it's been amazing to see their performance uh, and just how they've really, really changed over the season. And they've done other things there as well um, and really kind of advanced themselves forward. So it's going to be a tough one to, to choose between those two. Um, I think Philly. Uh, but you know, Boston should give him a run. I think it's going to be quite exciting that game. Uh, and it was, I mean, one of the things that, that happened long before we started doing this podcast together was the Boston Uprising were, were doing very well. Yep. Um, they had a player with them who uh, had to, who was fired from the team yep. due to, to uh, legal issues outside of the Overwatch League. Yep. And it was a, quite a huge shock because yeah. it was there have been little things, you sure. know, there have been little uh, insensitivities or, or gestures or, or comments that have resulted gestures in, from gesture. Yeah, exactly. That have resulted in fines or suspensions. But this is the first one that you know it, it was it was very serious and it yeah. involved a, a criminal prosecution. So enough so that Boston had to dispatch that player yeah. immediately. And it was wonderful to see how quickly they dealt with that. I yes. think that's why this didn't sidetrack the entire operation was because it was dealt with very 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 quickly very very um uh, well and then everybody seems to have moved on from there it yeah. wasn't the team it wasn't the sport it wasn't blizzard it wasn't anything like that it was yeah. one individual they got rid of it job done yeah and what was great about that was that player was quite a uh, and, and i won't name the player because yeah. obviously if the allegations are true they don't deserve to be talked about yeah. um they were quite the star player. Absolutely, a rising star within within Overwatch League and within the team. And then they get rid of that player yep. quite quite immediately. But then, unlike what some people expected to happen, which would have been okay, you lost your star player, you're a bit unsettled. Yeah. Suddenly you decline. They went on an incredible run. Yeah. I think it was was it te- uh, thirteen games unbeaten. Yep. I think it was completely. Um, before they played Philly Fusion, just saying. <laughs> um, but the idea that this team went through that quite quite a shock 
yeah. and then still managed to rally and be an incredible force and in the better, league. better, you know. We've seen, yeah. seen Boston, kind of those that, that second half of the season has been phenomenal to watch. Um, some really, really amazing stuff. And yeah, like you say, 13-0, seeming unstoppable yeah. at a certain moment. It was a real reversal. Remember when they started to win and turning around and being like, well, hang on, this this doesn't seem like Boston. This, this is this kind of new team. They really, yeah. really just put it down. And that, and that, I wonder, I mean, this is off topic ever so slightly, but you always have all the teams have got great players. Yes. That's without, that goes without saying. We're the highest of the highest. Yeah. But every team, well, most teams have probably got one or two players that stand out. Yeah. For whatever reason, they stand out because of their play style or their proficiency with a single hero or whatever. Yeah. But then you wonder, does every one of those players benefit the team? Or would there occasionally be ones that are pardon the pun but perhaps a bit of a diva you know they <laughs> yeah. are that are there for their own success yeah. and their own success within the game that is yeah. which might be at a detriment to the team sure something I hadn't really considered but then you see a player who is on paper yeah. very very good at the game but then without that player the team does better yeah. So I wonder, could that player and could other players potentially, again, not naming any names, could they perhaps be a detriment to their team because of how good they are in trying to chase their own success? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's something that's worth considering. We, we only have six slots on a team. We only have six players that you can field. Sometimes having somebody in that role, actually maybe shifting it around every now and then is going to be better. Um letting somebody else play the character that they play if you have a hero or if you have a if you have a star player such as a baby bay for example and nobody else ever gets to play a widow actually is there somebody else in a certain situation might it be better putting him on a different hero um is there a situation where you know you want sinatra and uh, snillo and, and people like that to come through these newer players that we've seen enter midway through and actually you do bench somebody like baby bay for a little while and move them over to coaching while you let these new players move through and i think that's what we saw with boston theirs wasn't for very nice reasons but actually letting him or taking him away from the team let other players shine through and really show off the skills that they had and potentially in different roles that they wouldn't have had a chance to play because he always filled their role yeah yeah definitely so then it comes down to it then it comes down to predictions so I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat it like they do on the desk in the Overwatch League yep you've got you've got uh, Gladiators Spitfire yep who gets your vote for that it's gotta be Spitfire Spitfire yeah I mean, London, you know, they, they, they weren't as strong as an NY or a, or a Valiant, but I think they can do a lot of stuff. Um, I think they can do a lot of stuff very, very well. Uh, the hero pool's very, very good. Uh, the team seems very, very cohesive. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the YouTube channel Unit Lost as well, so I want to see what Stylos has been doing with those guys. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's got to be them for me. I, I don't see Gladiators taking them. Even though Spitfire haven't necessarily been at their best in the last stage, and Gladiators have been on the rise, you don't you don't rate a, an upset. It might be a little bit of bias being from the UK, but <laughs> I, I I think we'll see Spitfire take this challenge very seriously and, and yeah. respond in kind. Yeah, I wonder whether Gladiators are going to come out harder than ever before. But yeah, yeah, I suppose we'll uh, we'll see soon enough. <laughs> right then, so Boston Philly, we've discussed that. Yep, it's a close one. Yep, very very close. Yep. So you know where I'm sitting with that. Yeah, my heart is with Philly. Yeah, but where's your head? Ah, that's the toss-up, isn't it? I think my head might lean Boston. Yeah. Just because I feel like Boston has the consistency more. Okay. Philly is phenomenal, but I feel like sometimes they get to that that um, 
they get kind of uh, two games out of five or they get yeah. right near the end and don't quite manage to just pull it off. Yeah. But, I mean, they've got three games as a chance to do that. They yeah. only need to win two of those to get through to the next round. That's it. Um, the Fusion have got glorious moments, yeah. but perhaps not streaks. So we yeah. would need to see something quite special. And yeah. you figure that the players they've got to, to choose from, you know, you mentioned Snillo, you've got him there ready to go. You've got EQO, you've got Shut Up and you've got Carpe. You've got, yeah. you've got names you got Neptuno, the most successful battle mercy in the league. You know, you've got <laughs> those kind of players, but can they pull it off? I don't know. Yeah. I hope yeah. so. Uh, and then Fingers crossed. Now to the final. Now, the final is going to be tricky because we don't know who's going to go through. Of course. But who do you want to see in the final then? I think we're going to see a New York or a Valiant. Maybe both. I think we could end up seeing the two of them face off against each other, to be perfectly honest. But I'd watch that game. Yeah, I think that would be a phenomenal game. Um, maybe both. Again, kind of head and heart. My, my heart wants New York in the final I want a New York Philly that would be good I'd love a New York Philly I'd go for that I'd yeah for definitely that. and I'd be happy with either person winning um, I like the Valiant in terms of a team and a community my natural inclination is to not like the Valiant however purely <laughs> because it's LA yeah. I'm very much more of a San Francisco kind of guy but I do like their community and their spirit that's really really shone through so to be honest I'd be happy with either of them in there but a New York Philly would be I think my favourite but I'd be happy with a New York LA yeah I think my ideal would actually be Gladiators Fusion. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's as likely. Yep. However, I think that kind of final, where you've got two teams that have really had to work for <laughs> it to get there, yeah. I think that would be the proper kind of Cinderella story final. Sure. Of these two teams who, if you looked at them in, in stage one, you would think, okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah. No you way. Know, you see Philly take uh, go to the, the finals in stage two, and you're thinking, okay, they're back on the up, then dip again in stage three, and then yeah. come back. So that could be great. And the Gladiators, who started off first couple of stages not really being an impressive team, being the kind of poor cousin of the, the LA duo, yeah. but then to be working up here, that would be my kind of fairy tale final. Sure. What I don't really want to see is a London-New York final, because yes. we've seen that a few times. Yeah. And they're great teams, and they've got some incredible players. But I just, I don't want to see it again. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've got like lots more of the season same. to watch <laughs> without having to see them face off one more time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But my head's not necessarily saying Gladiators Fusion, but my heart 100% is. Yeah, so. I'd watch that. That sounds yeah. nice. Definitely. Cool. So I think that's about what we've got to cover on this episode of yep. Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. Uh, and apart from that, I guess we'll, we'll speak to you next time. Since I've been Dave. I'm Richard. And we'll see you then. Bye. Rose.